0: Welcome in. it's the BCJ podcast on Bearcatjournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel joined as always during football season with my man Dave Simone. David, how are you today?
1: Wonderful. We are uh,
0: nine days till kickoff so I'm doing great. Nine days till kickoff. an excellent uh, article if I do say so myself on the too deep up on Bearcat Journal after the final day of camp higher ground yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, I am finally dry and warm again after being, That's always a good thing. after being manhandled by the offensive line uh, at the end of practice yesterday. but you know, I guess those are the things that uh, come the, the dangers of the job, I guess we'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dave was uh, out regularly with me at Camp Higher Ground this year except for uh, when he was at Pinehurst golfing for a week five days whatever it yeah. was. how many holes of golf
1: 99 holes in four days you couldn't play one more to get 100 no i actually played one nine hole round on their somewhat new par three course and then five 18 hole rounds so you could have found a way win.
0: to play one more hole
1: I'm sure I could have. 99 <laughs> was, was
0: plenty. <laughs> 99 holes in four days sounds just like an absurd amount of golf. Your your back it survived. Was. Do you need a back fusion now that you're done?
1: Um, back was okay. Um, feet were hurting earlier this week. Fingers were hurting earlier this week, but, I, but I'm all good now.
0: Well, it's good to hear you've recovered.
1: Yes. So let's get to it. We're going to
0: uh, get a good show today. We're going to take a look uh, for the first uh, portion, first third of the show or so uh, at camp. Uh, there's been a lot. I mean, obviously, we've had practice reports every day. We actually did it this year, Dave. Every minute of every practice, all 16 practices that were open.
1: There were only 16. It yes. felt like
0: there were... Well, there were 17 practices in 20 days. It felt like a lot more. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And then they had the one well, day... I wasn't that even was... at all. I no, I was. Every minute of every damn practice. I think I showed up, what, two minutes late one day, but you were already there. Yes. I was two minutes late, and they were worried about me. Is, is he all right? I know. something happened. <laughs>
1: we're, we're an integral part
0: of the program now. <laughs> uh, apparently. Apparently. Um, I've given a lot of my thoughts, uh, obviously writing notes every day and, and articles. And I've got a couple more things coming up this weekend after the mock game on Friday. Uh, so I wanted to have Dave on as a second set of eyes. Uh, you potentially saw some things different than me. I'm guessing most of the stuff we saw was, was about the same. The takeaways were about the same, but, uh, I think it's good for our members to get, you know, you were there quite a bit. So it's good to get a, uh, a different perspective other than just hearing from me all the time because I know my wife tells me she gets sick of me talking. She gets sick of hearing from me <laughs> all the time. So I figure you guys are pretty much the same. So we'll get Dave here. to uh, Oh, yeah,
1: definitely.
0: We'll get Dave to uh, expand on some things. Obviously, Dave, everybody wants to start at quarterback. What did you see? Hayden Moore, Des Ritter. Do you think you know who will be the starter at UCLA? Because I'm not sure.
1: Uh, I think I know who will be the starter. I think it will be Hayden Moore. Um, And I think he will be the starter because even though it was a competition, as the incumbent, more times than not, the pursuer needs to display better performance than the incumbent. And I just, I didn't see that from, from Ritter. I feel like the opportunities were there. I mean, as, as we've talked about, all the way through, they pretty much split reps. One guy would be with the ones to start, the next guy would come in with the twos, uh, the next period It would be flip-flopped. The other guy would start with the ones. The other guy would come in with the twos. And he just... He, is in uh, Dez, he just didn't... For any real extended period of time, even in one practice, let alone stacking practices on top of each other, I just didn't see anything that said, yep, this guy has to be the starter. He's clearly taking that next step he's progressing from practice one to practice five to practice 10 and when you account for his athletic ability now we're seeing the passing ability and it's clear that you know he should be the guy I just I didn't see it Uh, to, Um, to give the
0: contrarian point of view did you see that Hayden Moore was clearly better I get the incumbent no, I, I get the th- incumbent argument, and I to an extent I agree with that, but I also I didn't never see felt that like he was better yeah.
1: and if they were playing Alabama a and m to start the season in Nippert, I might say Desmond Ritter you know go for it let's see what happens, but they're not, and they're coming off two, four and eight seasons, and the first half of the schedule is significantly. Easier than the second half of this schedule. Yes. So if you're, and I I mean, we'll get into each individual game, but if you're going to UCLA and you want a chance to win, I just think that's a hard ask for a, a quarterback who's never seen the field and wasn't spectacular. Like, if he was great the whole, like, most of spring or all of or fall, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. He's, he's killing it right now. Dude, dude's awesome. When he's in there, they go right down the field and score and practice this. But that wasn't the case.
0: Unfortunately, so, it wasn't the case hard, for either.
1: No, it wasn't. And that's why I just have a hard time. I mean, if, you have to, if I have to pick one, that's, you know, that's why I would say that, you know, I think that it will be Hayden and Nets. And I don't want people to get you know words twisted or construed. This isn't like a ringing endorsement for Hayden either. It's just you know if I'm guessing who's starting, I'm guessing it's the guy that's played in whatever 28 games and and started all 12 games last year. Right? It's just, that's just the way I'm guessing, really. I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly. Right. That's um, kind of
0: that's what I said on Mo today. I I. Th- think it's more likely than not that Hayden is the starter, but i'm I wouldn't feel comfortable betting any amount of money that he is
1: no, I mean I just think it's college coaches in general are conservative you know ninety nine percent of them or ninety five percent of them, especially with the first game of the year on the road it's just it's hard for me to envision. You know, unless it's just for like one series or something, but what's the point? I mean I could see them both playing but I could see them both playing more in a sense of Hayden starts, Des comes in to offer a change of pace instead of vice versa. Dez starts say he's not successful, then you bring in Hayden. I think I think that's a less likely scenario.
0: Yeah, I want to lean that way, but I also know there's some belief that maybe Hayden is better coming off the bench. Or maybe he's better letting things, like seeing things evolve and then coming in and and not going through what we talked about after the first scrimmage and what we saw pretty much all of last year where he really struggled to get in a rhythm maybe Des is your answer for that. I don't know. I, I mean, I, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know.
1: I I
0: think that's a hard, I don't know, that's a hard thing. Dave, they were down on average 21-6 to six at halftime last year.
1: Well, that wasn't all on the quarterback. Or Not the necessarily offense.
0: all on the quarterback, but he struggled <laughs> to get going last year. They averaged three points in the first quarter and three points in the second quarter on the season last year.
1: No, I don't disagree.
0: I'm just—I know. I'm just making the 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 case for the flip side,
1: right? I'm being
0: being the contrarian. I'm just—I—I—I think the part that would
1: would make me nervous about it is that even though Hayden, you know, wasn't spectacular by any means. Dez made the same mistakes throughout the entire fall camp. He did. Most notably. That's that's worrisome to me is is you're getting high, high high-level reps. You're getting reps with the number ones versus the number twos and, and then also versus the number ones on defense. And he made the same mistakes that we saw at the very beginning at the very end.
0: I think we saw less of them towards the end. I think we still saw some of the same mistakes. I think he we made still, them. But we still saw one the other day where yeah.
1: Javon Hicks dropped a surefire interception on the same type of stuff that we had seen on camp. And for for
0: those that haven't read the reports or are, are catching up, a lot of it has been underneath losing defenders in coverage and then throwing it right to them. Um We've seen it probably five or six times, maybe maybe a little bit more even throughout camp. Um, it, it's really not on the deep or the, the intermediate stuff. It's on the shorter stuff where a linebacker drops into a coverage or a safety drops down into a zone. He doesn't see it and thinks that there's going to be a wide receiver open in that that space. And next thing you know, the ball's going the other way. Um, we saw that, it. We saw it. this.
1: For this game specifically, too, against UCLA, they're going to run a 3-4 with probably a pretty attacking disguise type of defense, and that worries me with linebackers coming off the edge or guys dropping. I mean, it's going to be a guess no matter what because it's Chip's first, first time back in college for several years, and, you know, that's kind of what they ran at at Oregon, so they can kind of probably study that to some extent, but you know, it just kind of goes back to the, he's never seen any of this before, is and is this the time, you know, to go to go that way? I just don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I'm just like I said, I'm just presenting the other side of the argument. Oh
1: no, and that's and, and that can that's a fair. It's fair to present both sides because, like we've said neither one of them took the job. Right. So when no one takes the job, you leave it open to a coach's whim or a coach's interpretation of what they value more. So, you know, I feel feel like Fickle's going to value the senior, the guy that's been there, the guy that, you know, can go on the road, you know, has played in... In road games and, and stuff like that. But that, I mean, but that this is not based on he was like superior. I mean, I think he was a little better, but he should be a little better. He's a, a fifth year senior versus a redshirt freshman.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I know that much. It's going to be very interesting at seven o'clock next Saturday to see who strolls out there with the first team offense. Uh, I want to say it's going to be Hayden, but I'm not a hundred percent certain of that, and we get to find out soon enough. So, yeah. Um, other thoughts from camp. Uh, give me your. If if I were to ask you your one main takeaway uh, from your time out at Higher Ground, what was your? What would be your one main takeaway?
1: Defensive speed seems noticeably better across the board. Um, I don't know if that's going to translate into games I'm hoping but you know the linebacker position I think with Malik Clements now playing down Brian Wright at linebacker has shown great athleticism great play recognition you know things like that and then I just think um, I think there's more athleticism and just overall speed at the corner position. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant, Gilbert, and Cam Jeffries, I think, all have more speed and athleticism than when Stevens, Grant Coleman, Devin Pierce did last year. And then the two young safeties with Forrest Jr. and Wiggins. I mean, Everyone's talked, you know, even nationally, Bruce Feldman talked about Wiggins' freak athleticism, and I just think as a unit, they were quicker to diagnose plays, they were quicker on stuff, you know, that's given UC problems in the past, whether it be screens, sweeps, stuff like that, I thought they did a better
0: job. They blew up a lot practice. of screens, a lot of screens. It, yeah
1: taking on blockers, getting to the outside, um, you know, stuff like that. So, unfortunately, in a a practice setting, you're not going to really get a true idea of of a pass rush. They're not going to let, you know, they blow it dead. They blow the line dead, you know, before they really have a shot to get to the quarterback. So the only way you really see sacks is if it was like a total miss by the lineman or a, a total win by the by the defensive player, but I just think the overall team speed on defense seems
0: seems much better than than last year. You're much more of a UC football historian than I. Have you been excited about a young the young secondary this much since the days of Mickens and Delo and Nakamura and those guys?
1: Well, no, I mean definitely not. Um, partly just because. I mean, we're talking. Mean, obviously, this year is the most important year because it's the year we're about to to watch. But I mean, you look at those guys. Outside of Gilbert and Cam Jeffries, they all have three years or more left. So, yeah. you know, it's an incredibly young group. It's also an incredibly inexperienced one. So, you know, you got to hope that the athleticism and playmaking ability, and you maybe hope initially that the front seven kind of helps out the back end while they kind of get their feet wet in real game situations. And then maybe they help out the front end in being able to cover for, you know, a half a second longer than we've seen in the past, which maybe then allows the defensive line to to cause some disruption. So, you know, it's obviously it always works hand-in-hand. Hand. You can't have a great pass rush if your DBs are terrible and, and you can't have great coverage if you can't get to the quarterback. So, um, but that's my just overall thing is, like, you know, I think they're just they we're just more athletic, more playmaking ability in that group as a whole. So, yeah, I'm hoping that that translates like, into the games.
0: It's interesting because I think long-term, maybe the best prospect in that secondary is Arquan Bush. And right now he's probably sixth on the cornerback death chart. And in years past, yeah. he would have instantly come in and be in, been second or third.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's you have Kobe Bryant, Gilbo, Kim Jeffries, Noah Hamlin, uh angulo and then probably bush and then probably bush yeah he's right in there five six somewhere in that range
0: yeah i mean that just shows to me that that they've felt it was a problem and that they went out and addressed the problem
1: jim jeffries has really impressed me too just because initially initially they had him in the slot. He was doing fine there, and then some guys got dinged up, so they moved to the outside. And he did fine there too, so I think you know he kind of gives them a little bit of versatility. You know, if a guy is struggling or if a guy goes down on the outside, that he can can fill that role, and then you know they they have another guy to, to come in. But I mean, I think that was a big big pickup for them. Cause going into the summer, we just I mean we didn't know anything. About about the secondary, yeah.
0: You know, in, I mean, because Gilbert spring, was changing positions moved, for the second right, time. Right. They yeah. just moved
1: Gilbert, and um, you know, Kobe had just changed basically had changed positions from safety to corner. You know, Noah Hamlin, I thought really impressed in the spring, so we were kind of hopeful about that. But you know, getting Jeffries in really helped solidify things, and I just think everybody kind of they took a pretty big step. I thought. As a group,
0: from the beginning of fall camp till the end. Yeah, and as a reminder, Cam Jeffries is a guy with two years.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's got two years left. Gilbert's a senior. Everybody else has at least three.
0: Yeah. So you counting, know, this, I mean, counting, counting this, I counting this year, season, but. yeah. Now, the the future is definitely bright for that bunch, and a it's it's a position group, corner and safety that we've gone into the past couple seasons thinking they're going to have to survive. You know, and it's not that they, you know, everybody was still, like I. I liked Lyndon Stevens a lot. I just didn't think he had much help with him. You know, I, I thought I know Carter Jacobs took a ton of heat. I thought there were some things that Carter Jacobs were really good at, but turning and covering a slot receiver running right past him was not one of them.
1: No, and, and I, it's still it's still going to come down to the pass rush. Cause yeah, if if it's anywhere like it was last year, it's not going to matter who they have covering guys
0: they're just not going to have they're not going to be able to stay with them long enough right and and we've talked about you know low interceptions low sacks those things go hand in hand you know you get pressure on the quarterback the quarterback has to throw the ball a beat earlier has to hold it a beat longer you can get more interceptions you can make more plays so i mean it it does come down to uh the pressure that you're going to see but i think with the athleticism that we've talked about they're going to be able to be a little bit more creative on defense than they were last year where they were just trying to cover uh, as many spots as they could and, and weren't really able to go after the quarterback. They had to drop in coverage. They had to try to, to keep things in front of them. Now I think they can, and we've seen in camp, they've shown that they're trying to be a little bit more aggressive, especially on third down, be a little bit more attacking. Um, you know, So that that's all something that, that we'll see. Uh, coming up here in nine days. Um, surprise. What guys surprised you? Uh, maybe that you didn't really have on your radar. Or you you thought were going to be okay, but turned out to be really good.
1: Um, I guess I, I think Chris Ferguson surprised me. He really wasn't taking any reps at right tackle or any tackle, really, with the first team in the spring.
0: No, he was. And he was. Then, he was actually at right tackle, and and Jaeger was at left. But the, no, that's true. The thought was that Jaeger would move to the right when Dino Boyd came in, and that Ferguson yeah, would be yeah. the odd man out, which didn't he happen.
1: Kinda, which they rotated for about the first week, week and yeah. a half. I guess up until that like first scrimmage, and then he pretty much took the job. And I, I mean, I thought he. I thought he was noticeably better, um, which I guess is why he won the job. But, I mean, I I saw him continue to improve. You know, there I really don't remember many, if any, instances when we would be watching and you go, oh, man, Ferg just got whipped by, you know, Kamani or, you know, whoever. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty big deal for the line, how in flux they were and how we didn't know if they would even really have a, a really solid five for him to kind of, you know, grab that spot. So I think just from that standpoint, he would be a surprise. I think probably another surprise just would be, I thought the tight ends all flashed at various points, which is good to see because we kind of expected and knew what, Josiah Degar could do, but, you know, all of them, even down to Josh Wiley and more recently Leonard Taylor, who I think has really been kind of impressive the last week, week and a half. You know, I would hope that this is going to be a major emphasis of the offense, because you have five guys, really, that are, you know, that can play, that can offer you different they all kind of offer different things, too, which is nice, especially when, when Wiley gets back uh, probably, you know, in a month or so. So, you know, if, you, if you're not sure what you have at receiver, you know, play a couple, you know, play two tight ends, do some different things with that. I mean, a lot of teams in college football aren't used to seeing those formations. You know, most teams have smaller, more quicker defenses, and you might be able to take advantage of, of having more big bodies on the field.
0: Yeah, I, and I'd go Michael Pitts. Um, I think, you know, it, the talk kind of was early in camp through the first half of camp, but I still think he was good. The back half of camp, I think we had just adjusted our expectations to kind of expect it a little bit more uh, than, than the first half of camp where everybody was like, oh, he might actually be really good. Um, yeah. That would be my surprise. If he had an MVP of camp, who would it be? And then we'll get to the, the schedule.
1: Uh, an MVP of camp. I mean, you've kind of already talked about Brian Wright. Yeah, that's, who I, would, that's who I would. That's who I go with. I I would say Mike Warren. That's fair. He, he. You know, Jared Doakes was limited pretty much all of camp. Nothing serious, but you know, you got a veteran veteran guy. There's no reason to to bang him up. You know, fifteen practices or whatever. But I thought Warren was consistent throughout. I think he. He showed a little more to me at least he showed a little more shiftiness and elusiveness than maybe he showed last year. I thought he was a uh, a straight more of a straight line guy last year. You know, he could he could break the tackles. But it was like, you know get him going and it was just kind of a straight line thing and I thought this year he he showed a little bit more wiggle still being able to be the, that power back, you know, a couple couple runs in the in the scrimmage that they had. You know, made a couple guys miss through the hole, and then you know spun off a couple guys, broke a couple tackles for some nice longer runs. So I think he, you know, he really showed that he could be that guy uh, if if he needed to be, you know, a twenty twenty carry a game player.
0: Yeah, because I think him and you know the the logical thought process is that, that Dokes is going to be one, and Warren's going to be one a um but the key for that is especially for Warren, Dokes goes down um it, it was never anything serious but they're being precautious and they should and because you had great depth in that room uh, throughout so you didn't really have to worry about you know being thin at numbers or you needed you needed him out there getting carries Now you hopefully have Dokes back at 100 percent and you have Warren with a full camp of confidence under his belt. Um, I thought he was definitely the MVP of the offensive MVP of the first scrimmage and then pretty solid in the second scrimmage as well. He didn't have the, uh, the two splash plays like he had in the first scrimmage, but still was effective. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely could see Mike Warren. All right, let's get into our season preview and we'll start obviously. And, and we'll, we're, we're aiming to get a guest on. Uh, Next week to talk UCLA Uh, But for now you'll have to settle for me and Dave Um, They're a team that They're they're just as young as UC They've got a new coaching staff They're searching for a lot of answers Obviously they're going to be tough to beat in the Rose Bowl Uh, Chip Kelly making his return to college But this is not a uh, Gigantic mismatch on paper
1: No, and I think one one I don't even know if I call it an advantage, but it looks like UCLA starting quarterback will be Wilton Spate, who you see played last year at Michigan. So you know that at least for now the offense is going to be more pro style than Read option. Beat beat the brakes off you Oregon style offense when Chip Kelly was there. Right. Um you know, I think they have and this kind of bodes well for UC as well. I think they have, if not, I don't want to go as far as to say issues, but I think they have some some real uncertainty with their offensive line. Um, I think their tight end group is good. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not up to speed exactly on their running backs and receivers as much just because I've been trying to get some info, but he closes practice down after 20 minutes and it's pretty much just stretching. So it's it's tough to get a read on them offensively. Defensively, they were an absolute disaster last year. Um, they're sh- switching to 3-4. They could not stop the run at all. Um, I know in the Washington game last year, they basically just ran the ball every play in the first half. Knowing that they they go ahead and get the lead, and there's nothing UCLA could do about it. Uh, their DBs are definitely their strength defensively. I don't think they have the line to run the three four yet, and their linebacker group is at best depleted and at worst not very good. Their uh, their they're number one middle linebacker's out for the season. His replacement, from what I can tell, hasn't been at practice for the last five days. No one is entirely sure why. So, I mean, they're still going to have dudes. I mean, you recruit California, UCLA still has a name. They're going to have, have guys. It's just a matter of, of where things are at this stage for them as far as health and system and getting that all together uh, for the first game of the year. So, It'll it'll be interesting. I know that. I mean, I think the lines at around fourteen, fourteen and a half, something like that, which I think is is fair. I mean, as as much as we like certain things about UC, they're still coming off a four and eight season, and you know, Chip Kelly's Chip Kelly. People are going to give him the benefit of the doubt coming back to college, just based on what he did at Oregon.
0: I'm not the the biggest expert on on these things, but. It sounds like they're a team that you see should be able to run the ball against. Um, not big up front. Uh, they are, you know, they do have speed, like you talked about, but not big at the line of scrimmage and then questionable at linebacker. You would hope that you can line up at least early and try to get some control of that game and control of the tempo.
1: You would think that would be the game plan. I mean, I know they have one really, really good defensive end slash outside linebacker, Jalen Phillips. I'm not exactly sure where. Where they're lining him gonna line him up, I think he's a true sophomore last year he was a true freshman and was was pretty impressive even for as bad as they struggled um but yeah, I mean, if they struggled against the run last year and it's not like they brought in a bunch of run stuffers and and things like that so that's where I would start out. You got two big power backs you got a a pretty big offensive line. You got some tight ends. I mean, line up and smack them in the mouth and see how they respond.
0: Game two. Victory Bell. Paul Brown Stadium. Eight o'clock on September 8th. They're not winning the Bell. If they didn't win the Bell last no. year, I can't ever pick them. To, I can't well, ever pick
1: Miami. I'm pretty sure I've said this three years in a row now, maybe. For as close as the games have been, I don't think UC is going to lose until they lose. Yep.
0: Nope. All right. That wraps so. up. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I don't know I, how you recover from what happened to them last year. I think. I think they have. I mean, their offense still stinks, right? Well, I mean, the thing is,
1: is I think they're better at running back this year, but they're way worse at receiver. Uh, James Gardner's back who had a great year last year he's a tough cover but I, they lost their second and third receiver and their number one tight end so you know i just and if you see team speed defensively is is better and where you know than what we thought it was before and let you know for for as crazy and as bad as that game was last year, let's not forget Miami only scored like 17 points or whatever it was. Yeah. So It wasn't wasn't like like they they were good. No, it wasn't like they beat the brakes off UC and then in the fourth quarter some crazy shit happened and all of a sudden they came back and won. Like, it was only a close game because Devin Gray dropped and walk-in 80-yard touchdown, and you know, like, I think their their defense was actually pretty solid last year, and I think it'll be pretty good this year based on um, who they return. They're good at linebacker. They're definitely weaker in the secondary. Um, Heath Harding, I think uh, Troy Reed or something like that, maybe their safety, both gone. Those were easily their two best defensive backs last year. Heath Harding was a corner. So, I mean, it's a home game for UC. There's going to be more people there than they'll play in front of all year. Combined? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So, I mean, I know they open at home against Marshall, (laughs) which is their homecoming game. Very, very odd. Openers homecoming game. But yeah, I, I'm expecting a win there.
0: Alabama AM. They'll have a great band. That, if they if they have enough money to bring in. Yeah, true. <laughs> that, I'd that should be a win. I'd bring them before the football team.
1: Well, I don't I'm not sure that's how it works.
0: <laughs> Maybe the biggest game of the year, September twenty second at Nippert Stadium. If this team is going to make a bowl game, odds are they're going to have to beat Ohio University, right?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think that's kind of the swing game when you look at, you know, when you kind of break up the first half and the second half of the season. You know, you've got, you got six and six home and road, but one of those is the Miami game is considered a road game, so you've really got seven and five. And one of your road games in the first half of the year is UConn, so if you know if, if they're going to need to probably go five and one in the first six to give themselves a good shot at getting that six to one, and you're not going five and one, you know if you if you don't beat OU, and this will be the game, I think that Tess. I mean, the UCLA game will, and the Miami game will to some extent, but I think this will be the game that'll test where the defense is, because Miami or Ohio has a good quarterback. They're
0: picked to win the And
1: The MAC East. They're picked to win the MAC East. They should have won it last year. They somehow didn't lost their last two games. Uh, One of them, I think, I'm not remembering 100% Akron or State, who was just awful, lost, you know, and then didn't get to the MAC championship. So I think this is this is that game that kind of sets up for because if they go, if they say they lose the UCLA and they lose to OU, four and two, you know, going into at Temple at SMU and then your gauntlet of Navy, South Florida, UCF, I'm not – you know, I think they'll beat you, ECU the last game at home, but where's that sixth win coming from?
0: Yeah, I'm with
1: you. I'm with
0: you. I mean, maybe
1: SMU and Dallas?
0: Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. but Maybe.
1: We haven't seen this team <laughs> perform very well. I mean, granted, they won at Tulane last year and did kind of play somewhat decent at Navy, but, you know, it's just – can't can't take any road game and really look at it as a as a as a probable win. I mean, they they did that in those two games and then looks like an abject disaster at ECU. So So we
0: have at UConn, September 29th.
1: They're god awful. They've be been able a, to win that game. It's
0: going to be a god awful ugly game. It always is every well, time they go there.
1: Yeah, just like last year and the year year before up there.
0: Just terrible. That grass is way too long. It, it, that game's a pain in the ass every year. Um, Tulane, homecoming. That's going to be a tough one.
1: Tulane Tulane is getting a lot of love as kind of the um, sleeper. sleeper team, so to speak, in the American. I think more based on Willie Fritz and his career coaching, what he's done as he's moved along and kind of where that program has taken steps in their third year um i think though they their style is as not being a true like option triple option team like navy they they run it kind of like used to pretty much shut them down last year Outside of a couple... I mean, Jonathan Banks did not really have a great game. They've been averaging well over 200 yards rushing, and I don't think they even came close to that. So... You know, I think, for whatever reason, at least in the year one of Coach Fickle era, playing that style, they matched up pretty well um, with them. So... You know, I think that's one being at home. You know, they could be on a roll at that point, theoretically. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you might have some confidence. So, I mean, that's when I think they should expect to win.
0: Saturday, October 20th, Lincoln Financial Field, Temple. Um, I know a lot of people are high on Temple. I'm not I'm sure. One of them. I'm not sure.
1: I think they're sec- I think they're the second best team in the league behind UCF.
0: in the entire league
1: in the entire league. Do tell. I think they found their quarterback last year, and I I just I like what Jeff Collins has done there from a from a defensive standpoint. They're kind of still playing similar to Matt Rule there. I just think they're solid. Like, they're not, I don't see them, they're not going to beat themselves. They're, you know, they're going to make it, they're just going to make it hard for you. And UC's never, outside of one year that I can remember, it was a terrible game. Gunnar Gunner Keel was the starter. I think we won like 13-10 to 10 or 17-13 or something. they never play well in Philly. Right. So I just I
0: just feel like that's
1: you for a, know, for that's a team that
0: good. we still think offense is gonna be a bit of a struggle. That's a that's not a great defense to go up against.
1: No. No, and their offense I mean, I was actually driving to Nashville last year, but their offense was pretty good at, it, at least against U C. Um, I know they remember they brought a kickoff back for a touchdown.
0: Yeah, they had a couple things go their way that weren't necessarily offense.
1: So, you know, that's that's a hard one for me to to see them stealing.
0: At SMU, SMU has has been improved of late, but I think it's a team that you see matches up with fairly well, although being on the road could be tough.
1: I think so. I mean, on the road will be tough. New coaching staff, they're going to run a lot of stuff similar to what they did under Chad Morris with Sonny Dykes. They have a Ben Hicks, I think is an underrated quarterback. They've got some running backs. Big question is going to be wide receiver. They lost their two leading receivers. Cameron Sutton was drafted in the second round by the Broncos. Uh, Trey Quinn, of course is on the Patriots. Um, and that was the game UC probably should have won last year. You know, fourth and 26. Oh. And you give up a 27-yard 20, pass play. Um, so it's just a matter of what, what do they have on offense and from the receiver position and how improved are they defensively because they were pretty dreadful on defense last year. So, you know, those types of games are kind of come down to like, you know, you're into the second half of the season, who's banged up, who's missing games, are you, are you on a little winning streak, are you on a little losing streak? Like, I think that when the teams are close like that, I think that kind of stuff plays a factor into into who, you know,
0: who wins a game like that. And that's coming off a Temple game that's going to be physical.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it always, yeah. So, I don't know who SMU has before, but I don't either. Yeah, you're so, um, right. You're gonna you're gonna have some some injuries. Probably you're gonna have to, to deal with from the Temple game.
0: Hold on, let me see if I can find that here real quick.
1: Well, I, I got it on.
0: Um, I, I clicked the link and it went to their men's soccer schedule. Oh, that's cool. Who do they got? Um. They open with Providence
1: tomorrow tomorrow, tomorrow
0: night. Fighting Ed Cooley's. Open with Providence tomorrow night. Uh, Before Cincinnati, they have Tulane.
1: Okay, so it's a little funky. Yeah, they're going to have to spend some extra time
0: prepping for that offense. That's interesting. After Cincinnati, they have homecoming against Houston.
1: Okay, so yeah, so there's kind of a little bit of a sandwich game around uh your offense you've got to spend a little extra time for and around your in state team that you wanna be rivals with, you know, that you might some of those kids might be might be peeking ahead a little bit at, so
0: playing against maybe the best player in the country. Probably the best player in the yep. country. Mhm.
1: Uh
0: then the marquee home game I, I would say on the schedule for this year, uh, as Navy comes in. And yep. offensively, they had a lot of success against Navy last year. Defensively, well, that's not so much.
1: That's the thing. They'll have a new quarterback to UC. He, Malcolm Perry played quarterback towards the end of the year. I think Zach Abbey got hurt. He's moved to wide receiver. So they are even more of a running team than they were when UC played them. Uh, Malcolm Perry is not a passer in any way, shape, or form. So, Navy has always been to me at least, can you withstand their offense at the beginning and stay in the game because if you can, their defense is not built to be in a close game. their defense is built to be playing from ahead and you know, and obviously, UC got behind quick last year. You know, played pretty well, but we're never able to get it, you know, closer than I think like seven or so. Right. So it's just a matter of, can you not go down 14 nothing against a team that every drive, even if they only get one first down or something, is still going to take, you know, three, four or five minutes. Right. So, I mean, that's that game requires not very much uh, dissection. Well, pretty pretty cut and dry when you play Navy, what you need to do to, get, to have a chance to win. The interesting
0: thing for me is, I thought they contained Navy about as well as you could up the middle last year. They just got destroyed on plays oh, to the okay. edge. Get,
1: well, yeah. They got gashed, Definitely. But they didn't have to run up the middle at all because they kept getting 9, 10, 15 yards on the edge. Yeah, so,
0: those, those drives didn't really take 3, 4, 5 minutes, as I recall. They went pretty quick. No, they quick. took 3, 4, 5 plays. They went pretty quick. <laughs> Not to open that wound. Um, no. And then back-to-back home games. I think this one they can win.
1: This is my, that's my steal game, too. USF because at home, they, it's a November maybe, 10th kickoff, probably cold,
0: maybe at night, you would hope, and South Florida does not do well in the cold.
1: They never have. Well, I'm my thing with them is, I have no, Quentin Flowers was so much for them that maybe by this point in the season, they've got it figured out at quarterback, but... They brought Blake Barnett in, who was at Alabama, then transferred to Arizona State, and now transferred to USF. Like at the beginning of the summer or in the spring or something. So, obviously, they couldn't have been too excited about the two quarterbacks that were already on the roster, or they wouldn't have brought in a former five-star who's now on his third school. And so you got no Quentin Flowers, their their top running back, maybe top two running backs are gone, and they had a wide receiver drafted, who was their best wide receiver last year. Their leading tackler in school history is gone at middle linebacker. They should be real good in the secondary, but like I'm they're their the whole a whole mystery, I mean, I've kind of become you know, somewhat friendly with uh, Ryan Smith, who is a USF guy for SB Nation. And I remember in our preview, because I knew how much he didn't like Sterling Gilbert, their offensive coordinator, and I asked him. Nor do you. How, ner- how nervous are you? Uh, uh, I just think he doesn't know how to call an offense, the players that he had there. But I said to him, how nervous are you that – Sterling Gilbert is going to call plays for an offense without Quentin Flowers, and he said, I'm terrified. Yeah. I think they can so, win that game. I do, too.
0: I think if you stumble against Ohio, you can make it up against USF. If you beat Ohio, maybe USF could be win number seven. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I still I, – we'll get to it at the end, but – um that game for some reason i have a good feeling about a game i don't have a good feeling about is the next week <laughs> no I think, uh, I think we can we can go through that one pretty quickly uh that's if there's one game i'm looking at is is pretty assuredly a loss it's central florida in orlando november 17th
1: yeah they're still um they, they definitely lost some guys but Offensively, they're still pretty loaded. Mackenzie Milton's back. They got several running backs back. Um, you know, it's it's. I'll be interested to see how, how they do at the beginning of the season. Just from a Scott Frost to Josh Heupel coaching situation. You know, he's never coached a game before. As a head coach, uh, Frost was kind of pretty impressive
0: right right
1: away, taking an 0-12 team to 6-6, and then to 12-0. Right. So, can they can they stay on that path? You know, this year, you know, I don't think anybody last year saw that coming. Now, this year. Everyone's going to be like, you know, we want the national champs because since they've played that stupid thing up so much. So, I mean, I think they still just have a lot more talent than you see and it's on the road, but I'll just be interested to see them as a team throughout the season.
0: To see them, excuse me, to see them as the hunted and not the hunter. Right, right. And then ECU at home to close the season November 23rd. Got to have some payback on your mind in that one.
1: I fully expect them to have an interim coach at that point. Uh, They're going to be dreadful, and I can't imagine they don't fire Scotty Montgomery before the end of the year.
0: All right, so what do you got? Six and six?
1: Six and six. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of felt that way when the schedule came out, I felt that way in the spring. And while I'm more positive on certain areas, I'm, you know, kind of the same, I'm not less positive on, I mean, I wish someone would have grabbed the quarterback position. Yeah. But, you know, I'm kind of like, we know exactly what Hayden Moore is. Yeah. And, You know, that's kind of where my disappointment in Des not being able to win the job lies in is that we know exactly what he is. He's serviceable. I think he's better than a lot of people want to say. I think he's had some incredibly bonehead and just mind numbing plays that kind of overshadow an overall game or an overall season. But, i mean i think he's he's just kind of you know he's your game manager can you know can make a play here and there if you need him you need a good offensive line you need a good running game you need a good group of wide receivers and i just i just think that they're they're still you know kind of a year away i think you know next year you could see that uptick but they're still really young they're still inexperienced at in a lot of places and and while we like what they do in practice, that's that's not games. So, you know, I think six and six is a fair a fair assessment of this team.
0: Let's see if we agree. UCLA loss. Yep. Miami win. Alabama And win. 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 Ohio University win. Or are you going win. loss? Okay. UCon- no, I'm going win. UConn win. Win. Tulane win. Yep, Temple loss. Yep, SMU I think is a toss up, but I'll go loss for now. Navy loss. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. USF loss. UCF loss. ECU win.
1: Loss. Yep, I got them five and one, and then winning the last game to go six and
0: six. Okay. That two-game homestand—if they get to five and one—that two-game homestand Navy USF is going to be very interesting.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, if they get—if well, if they get to five and one, that changes all. I mean, that probably changes what I'm thinking for the whole back end of the season, really, depending on how they do it. Right. You know? Are they? So I mean, if you're—you know, you can have expectations now. And they can change in the middle of the year based on how they're playing. Like if they're five and one, I'm going to expect a five and one team to not lose five out of their last six games playing in the American.
0: And that's fair. I think that's more than fair.
1: So, you know they don't they don't have a they don't quite have a stretch like my volve do with uh, Florida, Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, five games in a row. People still care about Tennessee football? They care way more
0: now than they did the last (laughs) three years. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) All right, anything else to add before we get out of here?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we kind of covered it. Like we said earlier, I'm working on getting uh, guests from the, I think it's Bruins or Bruin Report online or something like that uh, to join us. You've got an article week, coming up next week
0: that will rank the schedule, rank the opponents, 1 yep. through 12.
1: I have the opponents ranked already. I'm going to you know, put in a little, you know, full paragraph about each one, what to look for, why I kind of have it where I have it. So, yeah, we're almost there. There's fo- there's actual football this Saturday. If you want to watch Colorado State, Hawaii, 7 o'clock, CBS
0: Sportsnet. And then we have a mock game tomorrow, which I'm guessing there won't be uh, much, if any, hitting. Um, No,
1: I'm sure there won't since there wasn't any hitting, what, after Monday this week or even counting Monday?
0: Yeah, not much. Not much at all. Um, And then I'll have some stuff over the weekend to wrap up camp. Uh, Some takeaways, what guys we thought really uh, raised their stock. Um, We had the 2Deep article that went up today. Uh, Shane will have his recruit recap coming back next week. Uh, his high school season kicks off. Uh, it was Some states kicked off last weekend, Kentucky and Indiana being amongst them. Um, Cam Jones had a good game at quarterback.
1: He did. For an offensive he lineman, he's yeah. a hell of a quarterback. Yeah, five touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Could
1: um, see some interesting, interesting formations. In of <laughs> yeah. <years.
0: laughs> Could you see the – you you make him a tackle eligible and then put him in motion and give him the ball.
1: You <laughs> could run like a little rever- like a little inside reverse. Yeah, and he could then throw it.
0: He's he's a big human. That's some giant feet. Mm hmm. <laughs> Looked at his shoes. We're like Jesus. That is a large human being. Um. But yeah, we got lots of stuff coming. So if you're new to Bearcat Journal, uh, don't think that the the great coverage stops with camp. It continues on as we roll through the season. Uh, and then, you know, basketball not far away, the opening of the brand-new Fifth Third Arena is uh, very much on the horizon as well. I think 70 days I saw, something like that today. 70 days to tip off. Uh, so, yeah, lots coming. Thanks, Dave. Great job. Thanks for joining me out of Camp Higher Ground. You will, I believe, be with me yeah. tomorrow for the mock game.
1: I will be there.
0: And uh, we have plenty more coming at you And uh, the, the podcast is now weekly We had one last week, we had one this week We will have one every week now Pretty much through the end of basketball season So uh, and I think we got a sponsor coming online Here uh, next week as well So uh, I'm excited that be nice about that. Yeah Berg, Berg, Berg the salesman has been working It's good to have Berg back <laughs> He He took a little time off He had to clear his head uh, but he called me, uh, yesterday, I think, and was talking about how excited he is for this basketball season and how good he thinks his team can be. So it's good to have him back. It, uh, you know,
1: <laughs> is he ever not excited? No, or? but I,
0: well, I mean, he, like, I didn't hear from him <laughs> hardly for three months. So I didn't know what his, his emotions were. Uh, um, yeah. he did. How about the picture of him in the bathroom with his kid the other day? Did you see that? Was the kid like flicking off the camera? That was was one. No, I guess he was. was, Oh, no, I
1: did not see the other
0: one. He was dropping a deuce and he had the kid in like the the bumpy, like sitting there staring at him. (laughs) It's like life of a stay at home dad. (laughs) Oh, Berg. I love that guy. So good to have him back and energetic and ready to go again. He's been firing off the threads, creating a lot of discussion on the basketball board. So make sure you're going over there and joining in as well. Uh, But that's going to wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brindle. We will see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.